0: Grace and mercy and peace are yours, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In this series that has been helping us figure out why we're here and where we're going and why we should do any of this, it's been called God's Amazing Grace. Because of this grace he has shown to us, We desire to grow in this grace, to know it more and more and more. We desire to live in this grace as a Christian family in our homes, here in our church, as we get to love and serve one another in that grace. And today, we get to see that we have the blessed privilege to go out into the world, everywhere we go, and share this amazing grace that's meant for all people. Again, we've been looking at selected sections from 1 Peter throughout this worship series. And today we look at chapter 2 verses 9 through 12. This was our second lesson. Again, I want to read it for you. It's, it's printed out in the service folder if you'd like to follow along. Peter writes by inspiration of the Spirit, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. These are God's words. You know, there are certain things that you can say using the same exact words, but how you say it changes the meaning completely. For example, someone can say about a meal that you cook them, well, that was interesting, or that was interesting. It means two totally different things, doesn't it? Or someone might say to you, I would have never thought of that, or I would have never thought of that. Completely different meaning, the same words. Or, you're different. Or, you are different. Two different meanings, same words. And today we focus on those words. You are different. And honestly, I don't care how someone says them to you, if it's you're different or you're different. The fact is we are different. And to recognize why we're different, how we're made different, and and what that means that we're different. And that's what Peter writes about here in our second lesson. In just these four verses, he explains to us how we are made different and why we're made different. And it brings purpose and meaning to our lives. And and Peter is led by the Spirit to to name us and, and and to put these Descriptions on us to, to make sure you know who you are. So what is it that makes you different? How are you different from the world around you? Right? What, what would people say? What makes you different than the neighbor who, when you're talking to them, it comes out that they are an atheist. They don't believe that a God exists. You're just here, you live your life, and then you cease existing when you're placed in the ground. Or the neighbor on the other side of you who this morning is worshiping in a Mormon temple. What makes you different? What makes you different from those friends of yours who, who maybe grew up with the, the same values and in, in the same church that you did, but have grown up to not really care what God's word says anymore. Right? They don't care what God says about sex or marriage or about abortion or homosexuality. They just don't care anymore what God says. Total disdain for his word. What makes you different from them? What makes you different from the person filled with anger and hatred and violence and takes a gun and goes on a mass shooting spree. What makes you different for many of these people? Well, the fact is, friends, by nature, absolutely nothing. Because by nature, we have that same evil that resides within us. By nature, we want to just push God and his word away from us and do what we want to do. By nature, we'd rather not have a holy God that is there to hold us accountable for our sins. By nature, that same vile hatred and anger that can lead to such sins is right inside of us. And so we can not sit here this morning and look at how great we are. And look what good people we are, that we're not like everybody else out there. But to realize that by nature we are no different than anybody else. But the one difference is, Peter writes, that once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Friends, the only difference between us and anybody else is that we have been shown the mercy of a God who is holy and just and chooses not to treat us as our sins deserve. We have been shown mercy. We have received it. It's not something we look for or sought out, but that mercy found us and pulled us out of that sin who gave us a new heart and new desires, who placed within us us that gift of faith that knows Jesus Christ and that knows his forgiveness and that knows the hope of eternal life. God has made us into something different only by his mercy. That's the only thing that separates us from the rest of the world. And Peter describes what this mercy does to us. The fact that God has shown us mercy. The fact that God has given us the gift of faith to believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. What that makes us to be. And he, he uses these beautiful descriptions of who we are now in Christ Jesus. Who have been shown the mercy and the grace of God. He starts out by saying, you are a chosen people. Think back to to elementary school, and for those of you who are still in elementary school, or or maybe it wasn't that long ago for you, have you ever been or remember being on the playground and the two most popular kids are chosen to pick teams for the game you're about to play? And they go back and forth, and they pick based on probably athletic ability, but also the people that they really like. They want their friends on their team. And maybe, maybe you were one of those who were last to be picked. And, and it wasn't because they really wanted to pick you. It was because the teams had to be even, so I suppose you can be on my team. All right. All right. That's not the way God works. God does not choose us because uh, they all that's left. But the fact is, God has chosen us from before the creation of the world. That God chose you to be his very own from eternity. You are never an afterthought to God. But God says, I want you on my team. And I don't want you. You, yes, you. You who have no worth or value within you. You are mine. You are, belong to me. You are chosen by me. This mercy has done this. Friends, that makes you different. Then, Peter goes on to describe you as a royal priesthood. Uh, there, you've got two ideas in there. There's, there's this idea of royalty, right? That God says, you are kings and queens in his sight, right? I, I, and I apologize if, if this is you, but I, I don't get the big deal about following the royal family in the United Kingdom. I, I just don't get it, right? I, so many people, not just in our country, but especially over in the United Kingdom, just they follow them everywhere, there's all this hype and hoopla with everything that they do, right? And with Megxit just recently, it's just all in the news again, right? And it's all because of—they've got royal blood in their veins, because they've got king or queen or duke or duchess or prince or princess in front of their name, right? They get all this attention. And maybe you think, I don't—I wouldn't want that in the first place, but, but they are honored in the sight of the world because of their name, Friends, it doesn't matter what the world says about us. It doesn't really matter if anyone even notices us. Because we are proclaimed to be royalty. By the one who matters most. By the one who created us. And we are royalty because innocent royal blood was shed for us. That King Jesus, King of heaven and earth, came to this earth and... We're a crown of thorns on a cross so that someday that King Jesus might place on our heads a crown of life. That you are holy. You are clothed in the robes of righteousness of Christ right now. That crown of life is as good as yours right now until you enter into that kingdom of heaven when it's placed on your head. Friends, you are royalty in God's sight through Christ. And he says you are a royal priesthood, and, and that idea of the priesthood takes you back to the Old Testament, uh, where the priests were responsible for being the go-between for the people and between God. So, so they would bring God's word to God's people. And then the other way, they would take uh, the, the sacrifices and the prayers of the people to God. It was that go-between. And, and they had that constant reminder, that, that visual reminder that sinners cannot come in the presence of a holy God. And that temple, there was the, the most holy place where the, the temple curtain separated the holiness of God from the sinfulness of people. But when Christ died on that Good Friday, you know what happened to that temple curtain? Ripped in two from top to bottom to show to you that there's nothing That keeps you out of the throne room of God. That you are a priest that can come right into the presence of a holy God because you are holy in his sight through Jesus. Because your sins were paid for at that cross where he died. You have access to the throne room. And now Paul writes in Romans, he says that now our bodies, our lives, our living sacrifices... That's our act of worship, that we have a new purpose. We are God's priests as we get to live our lives as sacrifices for his praise and his glory. Friends, you are a royal priesthood by his grace, by his mercy. That's how you are different. And then he says, the third thing he calls you, you are a holy nation. Right? You, you no longer are part of this world. Jesus says that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Instead, you are united to all Christians, to all who believe in Jesus as their Savior, all throughout this world, those who are in heaven, those who are still on this earth. You are united by your faith and brought into this holy nation to remind you that you are not alone. That you do not live this life alone. But there is a whole nation of believers that you have been called into that you are a part of by God's grace a holy nation washed clean in that blood of Jesus to be his very own. And then the last one Peter says that you are his special possession. You are his special possession. You belong to him. Right? He claimed you as his own in the waters of your baptism. He gave the innocent blood of his son, Jesus, so that you could be cleansed, so that you could be his own, so that you could have a relationship with him right now, and that you can know that you are his forever. That you have infinite value in God's eyes, and great worth in God's eyes, worth the blood of his own son, so that you might be his special possession. Friends, that's who you are. That is what God has made you to be by his mercy. You are his chosen people. You are his royal priesthood. You are his holy nation. You are his special possession. And it's all for a purpose. He's got a purpose in doing this for you. And it's to give you a purpose. To make your life mean something. to be different than the rest of the world around you. Peter writes that he has made us to be this chosen people and royal priesthood and holy nation and this special possession of God so that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That the purpose of our lives now, in who we are, that God has made us to be by His grace and mercy through Christ Jesus, is to declare His praises to the world, to go into the darkness of sin and unbelief of this world and to let that light of Christ shine. Today we're wrapping up the season of epiphany. And epiphany uh, is a Greek word that means "to be made known, to be revealed. And in this season of Epiphany, we've seen how Jesus is revealed to be the Savior of the entire world. Not just a few, but all. And that God wants that light of Christ to shine through us. That that Epiphany happens through us, to the world around us. And our world needs something different, doesn't it? You gotta agree with me there. (laughs) You, you just look at the world around us in the, in the hopelessness. You look at the despair of people. You look at the brokenness. You look at, you look at the way that people have, have tried to live and it's just not working. Right? The, the, those who are trying to deny that, that a God exists and they're, they're just living in fear. Those who are, are, are in a religion that's caught up in thinking that I have to earn my righteousness with God, that I have to somehow earn his love so maybe I can get to heaven. And all they are is written with guilt. Have I done enough to please God? You look into our world that tries to find its happiness and its contentment in money, in possessions, in accomplishments, in achievements, and, and in the end realizing that none of it lasts, none of it really truly satisfies. Friends, the world is longing for something different because it's not working. And by God's grace, by his mercy, we are different. And we have the privilege to go and to show the world there is a better, different way through Christ. That we get to go into the world and and, and into a world that that does what? It, It blames other people for their problems, it's quick to criticize and cut others down to, to make themselves feel better about themselves. But instead, what do we do as, as people who are chosen, who are holy, who are God's special possession? We realize it's sin. <laughs> our sin that causes the problems in our lives and in our world. And we take those sins and, and don't compare them to the sins of others, but we take them to a cross. And there we find release from our guilt, and there we find peace with a holy God. There we find just what our sin-laden souls desperately need at that cross of Jesus, right? We, we go into a world that seeks to try to earn favor and recognition in the eyes of the world, maybe in the eyes of God, and we go as God's chosen people, as his holy nation, as his special possession, chosen by his grace and mercy through Christ. And we go and we're set free to live, not in guilt, not in fear, not because we have to do good works, but because we know God already has loved us from eternity. We know that God loves us into eternity, and so our lives are set free to do good works. That we get to go into this world and show love because we've been shown love first. We don't have to go and earn heaven, but we get to go and live good lives because we already have heaven right now. We go into a world, friends, where there's brokenness, where there's sadness, where there's hurt. But as Christians, as those chosen by God, we experience those same things. But yet, we don't fall into hopelessness and despair. Because we know we have a God who loves us and cares for every single one of our needs. The one who provides every need for this, for this life and most importantly for the next. Right, That we don't have to worry about the things of this life because God promises that if he is not given us his son, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us everything else we need for this life? that we can live our lives free of worry and despair and hopelessness because we have everything we need in Christ. Friends, we get to go and be different like that in the world. Friends, the world loses loved ones, and they fall into despair and into grief that that is inconsolable. And and, and when we lose loved ones, as, as God's chosen people, as those he dearly loves, when we lose people we love, It's sad, no doubt. It hurts. But we place our hope in the life to come. In the victory of Jesus over that grave. In the fact that this life is not all that there is, but heaven is our home. Friends, we get to go and live differently. We get to go and act differently. We get to go and live our lives that has different motives different purpose, different goals, all to praise our God in heaven. Peter finishes up our section this way. He says, because of all this, because of what God has done for you, because of what he has made you, because you've been shown mercy when you hadn't been shown mercy, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Friends, we've been given a new heart. We've been given new desires. We've been given new motives. The Spirit lives in us by grace, right? We are growing in that grace as we feed on word and sacrament so that we go into the world and we desire to abstain, to stay away from those things that our flesh would long to be involved in. Right, so that others might see our lives. Right? And we go. We don't go alone. But we go with God's power. And we go with the righteousness of Christ that clothes us. And we go with the, the power of the Spirit who enables us to face temptation and overcome temptation. We go so that even though people might accuse us of doing wrong, in the end, they can't fault us. Because we'll admit readily to everyone around us, oh yeah, I am a sinner. I am the the chief of sinners. But I have a God of grace. A God whose grace outweighs my sin. And he has shown me this grace. And friends, you get to go into this world and to share that grace. By the lives we live, we get to show that we're different. And, And I pray that's your desire. I pray that as you leave here, that you realize that you don't leave God behind or all this Jesus stuff behind, but that's when you start to put it into practice. But that's when you have that opportunity for that light to shine into darkness as you walk out the doors of this church. As you go back into your homes, as you go into your workplaces, as you go into your neighborhoods, wherever you go, that that light of Christ shines through you. And people notice, you're different Right, that when they see your car pulling out of your driveway on a Sunday morning, it's, it's not just going out to the lake, <laughs> but it's headed here. Right? Or, or this Wednesday. Right? It, maybe that's the night that you get together for, for watching something with your friends or a card game, but I'm sorry, but it's Ash Wednesday, <laughs> and I go to church. Right? That when you're in your workplace... And you don't talk like everybody else. And you don't cut corners like everyone else does. And and, and you're not dishonest like everyone else seems to be. You're going to stand out. You're going to be different than everybody else. You see, when our lives begin to reflect that grace of God to the world, we're going to stand out. We're going to be different. And my friends, that's a good thing. Because then you have the opportunity to point others to that wonderful grace of God that has transformed you, that has made you into his chosen people, his holy nation, his royal priesthood, his special possession, that God desires that all would know that mercy that you've been shown. That's the only difference, isn't it? You know that mercy of God. That spirit has worked on your heart and brought you to faith and made you God's own now and forever. And that death on that cross, two thousand. Years ago, it wasn't just for the hundred people sitting here. But it's for the entire world. And friends, we are the ones who get to carry that message to the world through our lives. Friends, you are different. God has made you to be different. Go live lives that are different so that your God might be praised through it all. And he will help us do this. Amen.